So welcome to Deconstructing Health and Fitness with Chris Wilkins and Elizabeth Hefner. We're going to take a look at a lot of things going on in health and fitness today, and we're going to decide whether or not they're actually useful, whether they apply to you, or whether they're really taking you in the wrong direction. So over a decade of coaching, clients led me to believe that the only way for people to experience lasting change is for them to understand their habits and systems they have currently in place and move from there. I apply a scientific approach to that. We change a thing. We look at how it works. We decide if it's working or not, and then we change something else and we repeat. You can't just coach one aspect of health and fitness. You have to coach them all at once. I think we're just going to start off today with, there's going to be a vein of giving grace to be human. Is that what you said? That was beautiful. Yes. <laughs> giving Yes. Giving people the grace to just be humans and not be perfect. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the audacity of giving someone the ability, like giving them the grace to not be perfect? Well, and I think, you know, just as context for people who are are listening, it's, uh, we were just talking about before we started recording that like, there's a lot going on for everyone right now. And it's important. It's really important to allow people to not be perfect right now and to, to just give them the space to make the mistakes and be angry or be less than socially perfect because you don't know what people are dealing with. Like half the time you don't know what you're dealing with. (laughs) I sometimes don't know what I'm dealing with. Like sometimes stuff happens. I'm like, Oh, I didn't realize I was going to do that. I thought I would react completely (laughs) differently to that. But, uh, isn't that a fun surprise? You're like, Oh, I've been randomly triggered. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's like, I've just been, um, in a totally different environment doing a thing that for me, the first time I went through it uh, was incredibly challenging and it, it brought up a bunch of feelings I didn't know I was going to have, you know, and it was uh, around my, my sister having this baby and I had, a, I had a baby. Now she's had a baby and my baby experience was so fundamentally different to the one my sister's experiencing. And I had this really weird, slightly jealous reaction, which was totally mm. out of place and wrong for the situation because my sister's had actually a very challenging birth and first week or two of this newborn but I think my personal trauma experience I couldn't overcome it you know like I my baby did not sleep ever at all it was actually you know I know I've told the story to you before but I took her to the doctor once to find out what was wrong with her eye I skipped a nap to do it because I was so concerned about her it turned out she was extremely tired and had extreme bloodshot eyes and the doctor was like well she needs sleep and I about lost my mind and you're all like I know and you just pick him up <laughs> you pick him up to the wall I know that I know well and it was in it was in check and so the conversation went something along the lines of like <laughs> the check doctor looked at me and said she's very tired and I said yes I know what's wrong with her eye and she said she's very tired and I said yes I know what's going on with her eye and he, the check doctor was like she's very tired <laughs> I was like mm-hmm. Oh my God. You know, so you just so, like <laughs> taped her eyes shut or something? <laughs> no, we actually ended up sleep training, which was not how I intended to parent at all. But again, you know, it, sometimes you just, you have to do what's necessary and not what you think is the thing you would have done before the situation is actually happening to you. And so going through this with my sister, watching this baby, just wake up, be happy, eat, and then go back to sleep. I was like, What? because then it calls into question the validity of what you've experienced and you're like did I imagine that like 
Yeah. And also it was like, wow, I must have really sucked as a parent at first Mm. to have had that situation. So it called into, you know, and here she is asking me for advice and I'm sitting there thinking, well, I obviously sucked at this the first time around. So maybe you shouldn't ask me because (laughs) do you know what I mean? And it just was, it was really interesting perspective. Um, because I went straight to to my shame. Yeah. Yeah. And if you were to ask my sister about the situation from exactly literally sitting in the same room, experiencing the same thing, I guarantee what she says about that situation would be completely polar opposite, Mm. you know, because I said something at one point around like, oh, you know, tickle their feet because it's great because they can't really see much and they can get these sensory inputs. And she was like, how would I know that? I'm I'm a failure. And I was like, dude, no. And it made me really think about the thoughts I was having because Mm. we were both sitting in the room feeling the same for completely opposite reasons. And I thought, oh, it's not interesting. So it's, this all comes Uh, back to this idea of just giving people grace to not be perfect. And you don't know what they're thinking or why they're behaving the way they are, or, you know, what their perception of the situation is just, we all just remember that we're not perfect and everybody is human everyone reacts differently. This is the beauty of humanity Mm. is that if we were all exactly the same, we wouldn't be able to adapt and evolve. So last week I um, was with my parents a lot and it was exhausting. So I only did one day of structured exercise last week. Okay. But you said you were, I mean, were you predominantly in the car going from place to place or were you like doing physical tasks? In the car. Okay. In the car and then maybe cleaning. Great. So it was a recovery week. Sure. I mean, although I felt <laughs> exhausted, so I didn't feel like good recovery. Oh, well, I mean, physical recovery, right? I think the point sure. is like, okay, was it really physical recovery week? Probably no, not it was, intentionally. It was psychological, emotional exhaustion week. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, yeah, so... I mean, I've, I, this is what I wanted to talk to you about because, you know, we talk about like PN nutrition for everyone out there, PN principles, it's tackling one behavioral change kind of at a time, not a bunch of behavioral changes at a time, because that is probably proven to really not be sustainable over a long period of time. And then when you fuck up as you probably will do uh then you're just like well fuck it then and then yeah. you have the the a big case of the fuckets for yeah, a while fuckets are no good and i think everybody <laughs> rides that roller coaster yeah well, not everybody <laughs> right i mean but the point of what we're trying to do with this type of coaching is not just here's a meal plan just follow it. All you need is this shopping list and this meal plan and all your problems are solved. The reality is, is that like, that doesn't often do it, you know? And even if you go see a registered dietitian, even in today's world, most of the time, that's what they do for you is they say, give me your food journal. You give it to them. They judge you and tell you what it is that you need to change. They write you a meal plan. They tell you how much of everything to eat and they send you on your way. And even, you know, my experience with other registered dietitians that I know and and work with, they get very frustrated when they're like, well, I don't understand why people don't just do this. And it's because it's usually not the food itself. It's usually something like I had to take care of my parents all last week and I didn't really have an opportunity or, you know, 
my last week was, well, I traveled, I had, there's a brand new baby and somebody's graduation and a bunch of stuff happened. Like that's not an ideal situation where I can weigh and measure out every meal I'm going to eat, but I'm also not going to not participate in those things because they're the important things of life. So how do you exist in those real life situations and still take care of yourself and eat well? That's Wow. That's, that's the hard question that is actually, you actually (laughs) have to take an in-depth look at people and their feelings and their behaviors. So it's, if there's something people don't need more of, it's judgment and shame, probably. I'm just going to throw it out there. I think looking at someone's food journal and because this is what I wanted you to do when I first started working with you, (laughs) I just wanted you to look and I guess it'll be two years. Wait, will it be two years starting? Pretty close here, yeah. Yeah. I wanted you to look at my food journal, which I was keeping. And I wanted you to be all like, oh, well, obviously don't eat ice cream, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I was like, if I get enough harsh judgment and enough shame, then I will change, which well, didn't know. The whole reason we're doing this podcast is because this is fundamentally the premise that the fitness industry is based off of, is you go to a gym, you see all these perfect people with perfect bodies living these perfect lives that you aspire to, you ask them for their help, and they shame you. And I think that's not the actual case with a lot of trainers. There are great trainers out there. I'm not saying that that's the, you know only experience you can have in a gym, but I do think it's how things are set up. And until we really start changing that, we can't change the face of the gym world either because it's, you know, it's funny. I was at my physical therapy session. I had shoulder surgery a few months ago and I'm still doing physical therapy for it. And there was a new aide, and she had come out of personal training. And, uh, you know, so we sort of bonded, we were talking about this whole situation and she says, yeah, I really wanted to be a strength coach. She says, I was doing my CSCS. I was doing like all this stuff. She said, but I just found it to be too much to have to look perfect and be super strong and then also do all of the things I needed to do to be a good coach. She's like, I couldn't balance it all. She said, so this is why I'm here. I'm in physical therapy now doing this instead Mm. because I decided that the important thing was helping people get out of pain. And it was so awesome to hear this from a young person coming into fitness because it is the challenge, especially as a female in the strength coaching world. I faced this all the time where guys just fundamentally didn't want to respect my knowledge because I couldn't outlift them. And it's absurd. Like that's mm-hmm. absurd. What what I'm able to physically pick up off the floor is not an indication of my skill set mentally or as a coach. And if you look at like famous football coaches, baseball coaches, any actual coach. I hate to say it, but they're A, usually men, B, overweight, C, kind of old, and clearly don't do the things their athletes do or that they're asking their athletes to do. But people respect them. them. But people respect them. And then you come into the world of fitness and if you don't have perfect abs and perfect biceps and all of these perfect things, people don't want to give you respect. And it's insanity. Super, super valid. I'm just thinking back to my personal experience because I would harshly judge any female trainer I would see um, because I'm like, I'm not going to take advice from her because she's so like, she looks so much physically weaker than me. 
And they yeah. like every, phys- I mean, it's again, just harping on, especially the female body and judging like, well, you obviously know this amount of stuff because you look this way. Um, and I mean, I would always feel discouraged. Like I'm like, oh, I could never be a trainer also because I'm like, you have to be super fucking skinny, super fucking skinny um, to be a trainer in LA, you know, like, mm. and, well, and I was, I, I, I was that thing. And this is the thing I, you know, I'm sitting here saying all of this and nobody can actually see me on a podcast. And, you know, I've been all across the spectrum. I've been super fit and super lean. I've had the six pack. Um, you know, I've been super jacked and incredibly strong and had like way more muscle than women probably, you know, <laughs> are naturally supposed to carry. Um, I, I've done those things. I've, I've been those people, you know, and, and I can honestly say that how people perceived me and the judgments they made about me as a coach went along with those things. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And now I, I just look like a normal person really now because I've, I, well, I, I have other priorities in my life besides just fitness at this point. So I'm not as lean as I used to be. I'm not as strong as I used to be, but I'm still fit and healthy. And I think that's the thing that needs to come more into focus in fitness is that fit and healthy isn't on either extreme. Yeah. You know, and, and those are the people that you should be looking at. It's like, how are you balancing having a family and a career and keeping yourself physically fit and healthy? Like there's room for all of it. Yeah. And I think there was like, at least for me, and I'm sure for other people, it's triggering and I don't want, I want like working with someone. I want to, I want to know that this person knows how to like, can give me advice that doesn't mean I have to completely change all my values and what is really dear to me in my life so I can look a certain way, but also someone like, I, I know it's got to be incredibly irritating for someone to come to a coach and be like, Hey, okay. I want to look like the rock. I just want to, I want to look like the rock. I feel like we, he and I have similar body types, uh, you know, and just get me there, but I'm not going to change like that much, but I can lift a lot. I'll just lift a lot. Just tell me, you know, yeah. lift a lot. <laughs> well, and that's the pervading mentality. I mean, it, it is shifting over the past, I would say five to seven years, there've been a lot of really fantastic shifts that you're seeing in fitness. And I I love to see that. Um, But the reality is that there are still a large number of coaches um, who really are not embracing that. And that's okay. I mean, they don't have to, and there's always going to be people who just want to show up and lift really heavy and beast it out. And that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you're actually after. But what we find is that we're underserving a huge portion of the population who does want to get fitter and healthier without going all the way over to being the rock. And I, mm-hmm. I always think back to this one experience I had with a client who she was really struggling. She was convinced that she could exercise her way to where she wanted to go. And she was starting to have some health problems. Her doctors were getting at her about you know her blood pressure and her cholesterol and these things. And she had some conditions that ran in her family um, that meant that these were bigger obstacles for her um, personally than they had to be for everybody. And she was really angry. And I, I was at a point in my career where I was just so busy all the time. I was booked literally back to back for eight hours. I was teaching 
12 classes a week. I was running a gym um, and I was still training a full load of clients. I was absolutely just balls to the wall career wise. And I was not getting an opportunity to eat very much. And so I was living on smoothies during the day because I could suck them down and get enough calories to continue functioning. And I was having this talk with her about nutrition and I happened to have a smoothie with me. And she absolutely lost her mind at me because she was bringing these things up about what she was concerned about, you know, cholesterol and this, that, and the other. And I said, well, you know, what are you looking at changing in your diet? That's the question I asked. What are you looking at changing in your diet? And how can I help you with that? And she lost her mind at me. And she was like, I'm not going to be like you. I'm not going to eat what you eat. I'm not going to just live on smoothies and starve myself. And I thought it was such a pivotal moment in my coaching because I remember thinking to myself like, bitch, I'd love to eat a real meal. (laughs) Like that was my visceral response was like, you're looking at this from one perspective of like, I'm doing this as some kind of orchestrated, intentional thing to lose weight. And I'm coming from it from the point of view of like, I'm trying not to starve to death. I'm hungry all the time and I'm not happy about it. But her perception was the very classic fitness perception that fit people only drink smoothies and work out all the time. And that's what she had to do to improve herself and her her health. And it took me a long time. She was a client of mine for a very long time. Um, and over time, she came to the conclusion that that's not what I was saying. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't an easy path. And it's set up by the impression people have of fitness. You know, that had nothing to do with me as a coach at that moment. It had 100% to do with her expectations of what I was going to say to her as a personal trainer. Yeah. Yeah. We bring a lot of stuff in to whatever coaching or classes workshops we're taking we bring a lot of our own shit in oh yeah and being aware of that and being like I remember having a director in like one of the acting classes I was taking who was like everyone has to leave their shit at the door if we're gonna work (laughs) you know which is fuck I mean it's hard but you're also working but within this scope you're also working on your shit so you can't really leave your shit at the door. Yeah, you can't in this case, you know, nope. and that's where that's where training coaches to have much better interpersonal skills and communication skills and empathy skills is so, so critical right now oh, yeah. in fitness because it's it's not what you're expecting. You know, coaching coaches and training new coaches and doing what I did for as long as I did. I saw a lot of things. I did a lot of hiring. Um, I did a lot of interviewing and, you know, I can remember very directly having more than one incoming trainer say to me, I'm not a therapist. I don't want to listen to people's problems. I just want to program workouts. (laughs) Then work on robots. I was like, cool. Well, this isn't the job for you because this isn't what people are coming here for. They say that that's what they're coming for. They think that that's what they're coming for. They think, yeah, for sure. (laughs) But the reality is you are spending an hour of uninterrupted face-to-face time where there are little distractions. You know, yes, okay, there's the exercise, but you can't just absolutely crush somebody at a heart rate of 150 for an entire hour long. They're going to talk to you. (laughs) they're paying a lot of money for that hour with you and if you're not willing to listen as any decent human being would do it's really not a great fit for you 
Yeah. You know, I think it does, you don't have to be a therapist. I'm not suggesting that you need to, you know, deal with people's psychological problems, but you, you have to be enough of a listener. <laughs> you have to, to be, be able to a human to connect yeah. with another human. Yeah. And that's fucking scary. Actually. It is. It a is. Lot of people. But, it's, <laughs> but it's also really amazing because you learn so much about yourself too. By listening mm-hmm. to other people's problems, you can sort of oh, yeah. always, and you know, I think I'm quite lucky in that sense of I, all the jobs that I've gotten really, really serious about all, you know, my, my two careers I've had were both about constantly seeing different people in different situations and different ways that the world works. And it's given me such an like open mind about how people approach things. Mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for it, but it was definitely uncomfortable most of the time. Yeah. You know, it's as any sort of growth will be any sort of growth is going to suck balls in some way. It does. I mean, I, I think I said some douchey thing to my sister over the last two weeks when like the baby was crying and she was just really struggling because being a new mom is like the hardest thing you're ever going to do. Um, and I was like, well, this is what growth feels like. And she shot oh. me this look of daggers. And I was like, yeah, that was douchey. Sorry. But it just <laughs> popped right out of my mouth. Can't. <laughs> do you want to grow or do you want to stay the same? And someone's right? like dying. They're just like, fuck like, you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. Oh. Sorry, that was getting far too like happy clappy. I had to bring it back down to earth with some. Uh, <laughs> happy clappy. Some real some real talk. So continuing on the real talk spectrum, on the reality spectrum, I last week, I considered that my first week on my 12 week behavioral change journey spreadsheet thing that I made for myself. And it's hard because it sounds douchey because I'm like 12 week journey. Like it's so it's so cliche. It's like, wow, three months. No one in the fitness industry has ever done like program something for it to be 12 weeks. That's like the <laughs> traditional, you know, the traditional trajectory of, I think, any fitness program. It's like in 12 weeks, you just see so much change. So I, I did it. But I had three focuses I was working on within the scope of like, well, just do a little, just do a little, you know, But I only achieved one because, and I started thinking to myself, well, I know PN, precision nutrition, behavioral change training is really like, okay, yeah, yes, do focus on one. But I was like, you know, I feel like I can focus on three. I feel like I can focus on three because if I just do a little bit on all three, then that's going to work. So it didn't. especially with my parents parents. okay and I wanted to say to myself well it's because my parents were visiting and that's like um like I'm not gonna always be helping them look for houses but I'm like yeah but things are gonna come up and I'm gonna be starting a new job and so yeah so the one I really I I crushed I crushed it was my stop eating by 8.30 p.m. Because I'm okay. definitely a nighttime eater. I crushed it last week and I'm continuing on into this week. And 
that feels good. And I'm like, okay, well, do I need to like redo my whole spreadsheet and be like, okay, well, I'm going to work on this. And then just my goal is to stop eating by 7.30 PM because I feel I'm not recommending this to anyone. I'm not saying everyone needs to stop eating by 7.30 PM. This is just something I'm working on because I find myself getting emotionally triggered at night and I want to feel comfy, wumpy with my comfort food and my TV. And I just want to eat at night because that feels emotionally good. <laughs> so I know, and I'm not, and I'm not necessarily hungry. Um, so I'm trying to get to that point of 7.30 PM being the cutoff and I'm thinking, okay, so I do, do I need to redo this all? So last week I did 8.30, maybe this week I'll continue with 8.30, then I'll move to eight. And then like, and then I'll move to like 7.45 and then like 7.30 and I just go through all that. And then the next thing I can tackle is my exercise or my meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, is that what I need to do? Because tackling all three things seems to not be working. So let me tell you a little story about homeschool programming. <laughs> now here's a story all about how my life got twisted. Sorry, I had to. I had right, to. but that's pretty much what I was thinking. So that's perfect. Um, uh, when I realized I was going to be completely responsible for homeschooling my kid, I did this elaborate spreadsheet with like page <laughs> numbers ago on it. No, it was beautiful. <laughs> it was beautiful. So I did this spreadsheet, right? And I got three months in because I figured I'm going to do it quarterly. It's a quarterly system. Yeah, quarterly, quarters. three months. Woo! Right, totally. 12 weeks. We got a 12-week program. We're going to nail this shit. Just flexibility. <laughs> I got art. I got music. I got all stuff, right? And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing. And I've been teaching a really long time, okay? Like, I've written a lot of curriculum um, for a lot of different subjects. And <laughs> I know how this goes, okay? I know that I write this beautiful, like, colorful planned curriculum and by about week three i'm nowhere fucking near it and i'm just like waking up every day making my lesson plan as i go so the question is is it useless then to make the big master template that i make no i'm gonna argue no and here's I'm why argue no too in the back of my mind i have to go through that process of laying out exactly how I want things to go in order to be able to routinely course correct what's mm. happening in the everyday. Okay. So I made that spreadsheet. I still write down my weekly plan for her every week when we sit down to start Monday, you know, we go through the weekly plan. Here's how I've laid this out. But we also know that by the end of the week, we will not have achieved some of the things on the plan. And that's okay. And that's the space you want to give yourself. So what ah. I'm saying is you don't have to go back and redo your master plan. You don't have to overhaul it so that everything on there is something you check off and achieve. That's your master template of like, these are the goals, the longer term, bigger rocks I'm moving. And sometimes, you know, the ground is soft and I can roll the rock far. And sometimes I hit a rock in the path and it takes me a couple of days to get over the rock. But who cares? Because I'm still moving the rock in this direction permanently. Oh, I love, I love that metaphor. Okay. I so, love that idea. <laughs> but that's how actual projects go. If you look at, yeah. you know, construction, if you've ever remodeled something or built a house or built anything like you have a master template you have a master timeline and then as you move through it you don't give up on the master timeline 
because there may be places you can gain time and get back on track. There are Mm going to be places you lose time, but you create enough flexibility in your plan in the first place that it's okay to not be on it every single day. You don't have to crush it every single day. So don't. No, I mean, really hard for me to feel that. Like I totally am. Like God, you're right. I don't have to crush it every day. It's great when you do, and you should celebrate that. You should celebrate the fact that I crush it and eat after eight thirty once this week. Fucking nailing it. Woo, yeah. Have you seen him? That's what I reckon. There's this guy. I love him. I'm gonna plug him on this podcast because like everybody should watch him. He makes me so happy, and he's so inappropriate. It's great. His what's his, his name? name is. And that's what I reckon is this podcast. And he does all of this cooking stuff. He used to do a bunch of other stuff too, I guess. But right now what he does is he's cooking and he started out with fuck jar sauce. And so he had this like sauce in a jar and he was Ew, like, I don't, don't want this shit. Yeah, that and sounds... Whole, no, it's so great. jar sauce. I don't... Is it bright and creamy? I'm not eating that. <laughs> well, exactly. But he goes through it and he like says, this is how you make it. And he... He does these hysterical videos and he calls everybody champions. He's like, okay, champions. <laughs> so I love that because he's like, all right, champions today, fuck jar sauce. We're going to make a real bolognese with real food. It's not hard. You can do it. You uh, know, and it's good. God, his, his, I love his videos. He's like, wait, one more day. time. His name. That's what I reckon. Like N-A-T mm. apostrophe. What I reckon. Uh, he's Australian. I, th- oh, I think he's well, Australian. now I'm definitely because I had like a crocodile Dundee saying when I was younger. I was like, Fuck but he yeah. looks like a total metalhead. He's like a total metalhead. He's got like <laughs> wicked long hair and he's tattooed and he's pierced. He's that sounds hot. I'm watching. He's amazing. I love this guy. <laughs> so anyway, and he's uh, he's like gaining fame all over the place. But whatever. The point is, you get to be your own champion. You're you if you crush it for a week you're like all right champion crushed it for a week channel this man he's doing it right okay if your goal is to get to seven o'clock you've got options of how you get there right okay you can do the 15 minute increment thing but you could also just be like okay the new goal is not to eat after seven if i eat after seven i'm only going to eat these things and then after 8 30 it's a moratorium there's no eating whatsoever so start giving Mm. yourself some flexible space oh spongy flexible space right where you don't have to eat after seven but if you do it's not as bad as eating after 8 30 you know what i mean like there's like this middle i like and then you just keep edging it back (laughs) but should i should i be because i want to focus on that and then as you know uh making my exercise consistent and making meditation consistent ah Okay. You're back. Uh, I'm back. My phone says low power mode because it's an Ugh. Apple phone. And so now it's like, it's been a year and now I won't hold a charge okay. anymore. <laughs> Apple products. Go get yours at an Apple store near you. They're all like, we're suing you. We're suing. I know, but works. I love my freaking Apple phone. God damn. I know. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> So how, okay. So the question is, how do you work on multiple things at once? Yes. Or is that even advisable if you're like, Hey, I'm doing great on this one thing, but I feel like I don't feel fully great about it because there are these two other things I'm not doing super great on. 
Well, okay, but you know, we could we could go at this like several ways. We could go at it like the mindset of, you know, if you're always gonna tear down your accomplishments, then you're never gonna be happy. But that's not realistic for this situation in the sense that like there are more than one thing you want to achieve at a time. We all try to achieve more than one thing at a time. The idea that only achieving one thing at a time is the ideal way is ridiculous, I think. But there is like a sweet spot between oh. I achieve all the things at the same time and I achieve one and only one thing because are I'm a gonna, monk and I only have to make a Japanese a sand garden. That sounds beautiful. Are you going to say that, that wonderful phrase, just get back to me? Just get back to me. Yeah, get to Matt. Like, so, all right, <laughs> today you nailed not eating after eight, right? So, okay, fantastic. But you didn't get a walk-in. Eh, all right. But tomorrow you're going to make sure you get your walk-in. And you're going to try to not eat after eight. But what if like somebody brings over pizza and they're like, if you don't eat this pizza, we're not friends anymore. Then, okay, you're going to have the fucking pizza after 830 and it's okay. okay. Drop them as a friend because it sounds like well, they fine. are interested in my sabotage. <laughs> I mean, it was it was kind of a 10-year-old situation, I'm, but I have a 10-year-old. So sometimes that's how these things come out. It's like framed. I'd be like, I'm triggered. Way. You triggered me. <laughs> it's possible. And, and, you know, it's fine too. But you, it doesn't have to be 100% of all the things every day to be making the progress. I know. That and I, say, I feel like I say this every week. I feel like we say this every week because it's such a hard thing to let go of. The all or nothing. It's yeah, so hard to let go of it. But so it's so hard. It's there it is again. It's, right? so it's hanging up for you. If I put these three things on my chart, I have to do them. And if I don't do them, I suck. Yep. And how am I going to get where I really want to go if I don't do them? Well, you are going to do them, though. You just have to be like, okay, today I didn't do this. It's just data. You've got to get to that place of taking the emotion out of it. It's just data. It's data. I mean, like if I look at my last two weeks and what I had planned to do versus what I actually did, I could probably just like give up on life considering <laughs> I didn't get any of the things I really wanted to I do. I think we done. can give up on life as a collective as a world right now no you don't where we're at now in 2020 no (laughs) people have lived through way worse okay we're so much worse than meh right now but yes there we (sighs) we've had other things that are also really terrible yes Uh, yes But what what can you control? It always comes back to that is and you know I was saying this too what can you control? Yeah Layla is like there's like I've told her since she was tiny, like there's the most important thing I'm ever going to tell you is, is this. And it's the only thing you can control in life is you. And Uh, that isn't even always true. (laughs) Yeah. I was about to say like, you know, but it's the thing you've got the most control over of anything. Yeah. And striving to control all the other things really leads to a whole lot of unhappiness. Sorry. Just had an epiphany. I mean, I knew this, I've always known this, but it kind of, I don't even think, I don't know of a good metaphor for this, but like something, you know, and you've known for a long time, but someone kind of just dinged in your head still, even though you know it, because I focus, I spend a lot of my energy focusing on what's wrong with the world and everyone and judging them and being like, why won't people wear masks? And I just use all my energy being like, you're a horrible person. I can tell you don't wear a mask and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, so we have any of it. 
<laughs> right. And we have all of these examples in our culture, all of these examples of um, like, you know, quotes and ideologies and things. And it's like, be the change you want to see. What's that? Mm-hmm. That's being in control of yourself and managing your own actions. There's also lead from the front. Uh, right? There's, you know, any leadership yeah. thing you talk about, talks about leaders who lead demonstrate right who demonstrate the things they want to see in others and it's a really powerful thing because human beings are actually very motivated by the actions they see other people taking and you yeah. cannot control anybody else's actions you can try all day long you can but what you can control is how you behave in response to situations oh, but then and, i have to take accountability yeah <laughs> you do i mean and this is i think this then I can't the, blame someone for blowing up at them because they made me with their actions. I have to be all like, oh, I could choose not to blow up at them and go on my way. I mean, you could. yeah, you could. And I mean, wow. they're the hard choices. Mm-hmm. Those are the hard choices, but that's where the rewards are. I think I know it sounds super puritanical. What is that Protestant. wonderful? Like that's Protestant oh, work ethic stuff. Sorry. Very Protestant. What is that? I want to say it's Lao Tzu, or I don't know, maybe this was in the Book of Five Rings, which I know we've talked about before, the art of war and whatnot. But that it's, it, why can't I be better at quotes? Uh, I'm terrible at quotes. Too. Like, <laughs> you're actually pretty good. I think you're oh, really? pretty good. Yes. Cool. Um, it's like, you know, it's like this three tier thing where it's like the ultimate is having mastery over yourself, like having mastery oh. of others, having mastery of blah, 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 having mastery over yourself. Yes. they. I, oh gosh, I haven't read those books in 35 years. I, I did a report on those for my black belt, actually. Because they're so good. The for my black belt. I can't rings. remember it. I still have them. I should read them again. But what you brought to mind is actually from The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen ah. Covey. Okay, and he yes. has these three phases of, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, and I'm sure this isn't how he says it, but existence, right? You go through dependence, you then achieve independence, and the third level is interdependence. And it dictates all of these different qualities of these three stages of existence, right? And dependence means you you heavily rely on others for your feelings of self-worth, and you really you know, you need other people to get things done for you. And there's a whole bunch of other criteria. To validate you and everything. To validate you. I need all the likes on Facebook. If people don't like what I'm doing, obviously I'm a loser and I didn't do something right. Yeah. And then you go through independence where you learn to function on your own and you, you know, you do that. And then interdependence is the balance of those two other Mm -hmm. aspects of being able to say like, I do actually need some validation from these things, but only in the context of how it dictates my next actions as defined by my goals and ideologies. So right? it's I am able to, to take to that feedback get, in, in a way that doesn't, um, that doesn't change my core beliefs and values and morals. I mean, within reason. I mean, if you're within a dick. Reason. I hope well, it does. <laughs> but the, I think the theory of the book says that you don't really reach interdependence if you're kind of a dick, right? That's, oh, so it kind of is a big, giant circle background to get to me. Yeah. Because it's I, the I middle. Guess, it's the it's, middle. But meh but is it's, beautiful. It's beautiful. But it's coming, at a, 
Yeah. It's, it's coming. Interdependence comes from a place of understanding yourself and your needs and your, your tendencies and actions in the context of the greater situation you find yourself in and then being able to sort of make choices based off of that versus based off of what other people think you should do or think you need, or you you're looking externally for what people are going to tell you to do. It's coming from within those choices and decisions. That that sounds like it's going to take a lot of self-work to lead to that kind of wisdom. That sounds hard. Yep. (laughs) That sounds hard, (laughs) but also it sounds like a really peaceful place to get to. And I would really, really like to get closer to that. Well, I mean, have you read that book? It's, I think it's stood the test of time for a lot of reasons. I feel like I, it's like sad. I'm like, did I read that in the past? Because I, I either read it or I owned it and just stared at the cover. (laughs) (laughs) I know I had this. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just, that's just life. Staring at the cover of of a book, you're like, I should read that. Shouldn't I? Yeah. Well, I own it. Therefore, I own the knowledge within it without reading it. I think is often I mean, right? the thing that happens. I read I the back that. of it. I read I the synopsis. Totally. I got <laughs> I watched I got a it. I watched a review on YouTube and that pretty much. <laughs> even though this person's completely biased as to how they interpreted the work, still. I mean, so one of the things that I found really valuable is not just audiobooks, but actually rereading books or re-listening to the same books before because mm. you really do change perspective with time and you you pick up different things from the same material when you review it and that goes for you know if you're in pn and you're doing lessons on the pn coaching platform like reread them a year later go in and actually you know because a lot of oh. times i have clients who finish the program and it's a year-long program and they get really used to having this daily chunk of information that they put in their brain and they really enjoy it and they look forward to it and then it disappears and it's like yeah but you can literally choose to go back in and reread where you were a year ago and it was funny because um (laughs) krista scott dixon put up this thing it's gosh what's it called i don't know it's this thing that sends you these questions year after year it sends you the same questions sends you a question a day for like 10 days or a month or something. I can't remember how long it is. And you answer them. And what it provides you is this real perspective on, on how significant the time span of a year is to your, your perspective and your just situation in life. And it's really fun to do, but you, I mean, you have to sit down and actually do it. That's the trouble with all of these things. You actually have to do them. Um, to get these rewards, but it it's interesting. There's a billion tools out there to help you sort of start to do more of this self-assessment and self-awareness journey, I guess is the best word for it. I feel that like it sounds super douchey. It's like your self-awareness journey. Self-awareness journey. But I, I don't know how else to talk about it because it's just what it is. You've got to start somewhere. Story. You just got to start somewhere. You know, like start somewhere. Yeah, you got it. You then got to start somewhere. No one's going to pick you up in a helicopter and drop you off halfway along the trail. You got to start somewhere. Get (laughs) on it. Yeah. So, I mean, you can start with Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You can start with Sun Tzu. Uh, you can start with um, Sun Tzu. That's what I was thinking. Um, but also like the quote I was thinking, it may be Lao Tzu. 
but I'm not sure. I can't remember. I don't either. I mean, you could, we could look it up, but you know, probably won't. So you know, that's okay too. But I the mean, point is, let's go back to your chart for a second, because I think yes. I want to want to tie that up there a little bit for you, because rather than day by day checking off whether or not you were perfect, what if you just went, you know, by the end of the week, check off all the things that you did do and then tally up your total number of check marks and be like, ah, this week I managed to make progress on something 30 times, right? Mm -hmm. And then next week, tally up your check marks and be like, oh, this week I did 33. And then, oh gosh, okay, I had to do all this stuff with my parents. I only did 12 check marks this week. But then you average those three weeks out and see if you're doing 80% or more 80, of the 20. things you set out. To, yep. Yeah. And you're still making progress. Like it's, yeah. it's all about that macro micro scope that you choose for yourself. You get to choose the scope. Choose you your own adventure. Say? Well, no, not choose your own adventure, but like you choose how closely you look at something or how far away you get. Like you choose the lens for judgment, right? So ah. you have to you have to be careful with it because you don't want to just use that as a tool to allow yourself not to make progress. But you uh, use it as a data tool. Like it's yeah. you know the whole point okay. and you look at vaccine trials. They don't just go, oh, I shot this guy with this stuff and it worked. So cool, let's release it. Like they don't do that. <laughs> they you have to try it on lots of people and track all the responses and then correlate the data and look at it and say, okay, in X percent of the cases, this is what happened. In another percent of the cases, this is what happened. And this one guy's face exploded. Shit. Like we should probably figure that out. That was pretty catastrophic. But everybody else seems <laughs> to have mostly gotten better. His so maybe we're on to something. Well, it's like, just one guy, you know, right. it's just one. Right. So you can decide to throw it out as an anomaly, but on a grander scale of 5 million people, how many faces explode? Only million? Trumps. You don't know. I mean, this is the this is why the data collection and analysis portion of what you're doing is where you need to focus your energy rather than on the pass, fail, good, bad. Oh, fuck. This is not a pass, fail course. This it's is not like... a pass, fail course. Oh, Okay. So we're looking more to that <laughs> percentile area, the spectrum, not mm -hmm. good job or you fail. Okay. Right. Yes. Okay. It's so, so hard to reframe after like years and years and years and years of like, no, 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 no. It's back to calories, calories, just calories. And um, you got to focus on calories and being perfect because if you're not perfect, you're never going to get anywhere. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Behaviors, right? Wow. Behavior consistency is what you're tracking. And this is the part people often sometimes, well, often sometimes, that's not a thing. Often sometimes. Good grief. Cut that out. That was <laughs> no, that's staying in. Often sometimes do this. Uh, oh, hang on. It's getting a phone call. I did not put my phone on do not disturb, which I will do right now. Oh, did I? My phone's okay. also going to so, die just in case. Yeah, well, I got to go in a minute, but I want to really tie this up because I think this is the crux of it, right? Is that the, the data collection portion of this is what you're still not comfortable with because you look at individual data points and decide on the success of the experiment based on one data point. You're not accumulating enough longer term data to see the trends that are appearing. 
which is why something like calorie control seems so attractive to you is because it's like, this is finite day to day. I can decide if I'm good or bad, but it's not overall showing you the patterns that you're creating for yourself. So moving forward, um, I actually am doing like check off. Like I have on my whiteboard, I am recording my not eating past 8 30 p.m and I give myself a little check on mm-hmm. my meditation and then I give myself a check or an x um, and then my my fitness I'll put like what I did fitness wise okay does that seem and then kind yeah, of looking at the great. trend over time and then total it like at the end of a week, total up how many okay. checks you have, right? And then you can you could even do subtotal categories. I mean, I'm uh, dude, my cell spreadsheets are a little much. I like the idea of far. Yeah, because I don't like the idea of like, hey, I'm crushing it at meditation, but I'm really not doing anything for fitness. So like breaking that yeah. down and how am I doing fitness wise? What's the percentage there? Right. But then that shows you an opportunity to like, oh, okay, these are the two things are going really well. Now I get to choose where I put some more focus. Oh, yeah. Okay. So okay. having those subcategories off to the, you know, it's like, so if you have the week and you have your category total for fitness, your category total for nutrition and your category total for peace, then great. And then you total those up at the bottom. That's how many checks you got. And even if week over week, you're at the same number, that's still winning because it's more than you were doing before you were tracking. Yes. And right. I and I did write out pretty much on average what I was doing before I was really tracking in this way. So yeah, and so then then after three months, right, which is your test subject period of assessment, right? Mm-hmm. It's not three weeks, it's not two weeks in, it's three months of data you're collecting, and then at the end of the three months, you will go in and you assess your progress. Okay. You don't assess day by day because if you do that, oh, you're fuck. micro-focusing <laughs> on all of those individual data points and it will skew your data. Oh, shit. Okay. I, I was thinking like, got to be in the moment, got to be in the moment, which is important, I think, to be in the moment, but context. Context. Perspective. Right? What's the context? You're trying to create long-term habits. You're not trying to create one day. I did great this one day. This one day last year, I was so great. I got to get right. back to that. Right, exactly. I'll just replicate this perfect day over and over again because that's realistic. Over and over again. So this is why you have to take a more macro view of this at this point, you know. And I, I think we've talked about examples where I've had clients track their feelings around food for longer periods of time, and they were able to then establish like, oh wow, like during the week I'm miserable about everything I eat, and then I party on the weekend and I'm really happy, but I keep repeating that pattern. But if you look at a day by day view of that, you're not going to see that pattern. So same thing with weight loss. Like if I weigh you every single day for a week, how much is that line going to move? Probably not a lot, no matter what you're doing, right? In the course of one week, you're not going to gain or lose 15 pounds unless you're like violently ill. (laughs) Just bad anyway, right? (laughs) Like you lost both your legs. Or you're in Antarctica and you're freezing to death, you know, like then maybe we'll talk about it. And you have gangrene and you had to (laughs) chop off your arm. Right. So you, this is the goal here. It's like you've, you've set out a system you want to try, but you have to let the system run long enough to give you enough data to make a decision. Okay. I guess I've been running so many systems for so long and then changing them after one week or something that I'm like, I have enough data, but I'm like, no, because I've never really 
The only thing I've ever actually stuck with long-term has been eating 1200 calories a day consistently, which was, I want to say it's not sustainable. I did it for a year though. And then once I started eating where I wasn't like starving to death, then I just gained a bunch of weight super fast. So obviously sustainable. And this is the problem. When we define sustainable, it changes the context of the discussion, right? Is eating 1200 calories a day sustainable? Sure. For a finite period of time. But it's not sustainable until you're 80. And this is why I always say that with clients. It's like, can you imagine yourself still doing this when you're 80? No or yes, because that's a big enough change and it's coming. Mm. That's a good benchmark for like, is this a realistic behavior that I can maintain? So. This is your goal, right? Is mm-hmm. stop looking at the individual week. Stop looking at anything but whether or not you're checking off what you've accomplished. Yeah, you can make course corrections. You can be like, oh, wow, I didn't get any exercise this week. I just need to focus on that a little bit next week. Same yeah, goal. Which same is what I'm doing. Plan. Yesterday, I did a seven-mile hike. Mon- you know, it was a Monday. And so I'm like, I think I, I'm trying to focus a little more on that. Yeah. I crossed. I'm so proud of myself because you popped into my head Cause you pop into my head during times when I feel like I need courage, yeah, which is great. Oh. And I, it was starting to get late. Cause I'm like, I have three hours before the sun sets and that's plenty of time. And then like two and a half hours in, I was like, like, I'm like, am I, I lost reception. And I was like, where am I on this trail? And it looks like I still need to go, but I don't know this area and there's no one around. So then I tried to like course correct and go back along the river. And then I came to like a dead end, but there was a fallen tree. And I'm like, I'm scared because there was a a river. I don't have a lot of experience with big rivers being from California, but There was a big river. I don't really know how much, how, if the current was like incredibly strong, there was bits of white water, but a big fallen tree. And I was like, I'm going to cross this here because this tree looks really big and sturdy. And I was like crawling over it. And I was so freaking scared. I was like, what if I fall? Maybe I should just go back, even though I'm already halfway there. And I was like thinking about you and just thinking about not that I'm, I am not advocating for people to like take their own lives in their hands like this. It probably wasn't even that dangerous, but it was scary to me. And (laughs) I was like, no, you can do it. You're already halfway there. What's the difference between turning back now and just keep going, just keep Mm -hmm. going. And yeah. It just made me think of all the coaching I've done with you. And yeah, I think of you during times when I feel like I need courage. And that's something I wanted oh, to share with you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, that's that's good because everybody needs somebody in their head saying you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially I wanted not to take you. a video of myself while I was doing it. But then I was like, what if I drop my phone into the river? I'm definitely <laughs> going after it. I'm definitely just right. going to jump in and go after it. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I took a picture of the tree I crossed with the river underneath. So I'll send that to you later. I'll definitely. put that up on our Facebook eventually. <laughs> so, so I think on that note, let's let's wrap it up there because... I want you to really chew on this idea of backing away from the situation enough to allow it to unfold. Okay. So don't re 
Don't redo every single thing on my chart and be like, obviously I need to rehash this entire chart after one week. No, please do not do that. I would never go back and rewrite a curriculum that I laid out for an entire semester because the first week was a bit wobbly. And after three weeks, when I'm supposed to move on to the next thing, which is just, I guess, a little bit further along the spectrum, that's fine. Yes. And so again, I'll bring it back to this curriculum idea of, you know, all right, I'm, I guess we're three months, three weeks in. No, that's both of those are wrong. We're like two months into my three month plan. I would say we're about 60% through the curriculum that I had planned to this point. Like we were, we are 40% behind what I actually planned, but I don't care because I know that we are achieving the things that are reasonable within the period of time that we have. And we're making a lot of progress and I know what I need to do next. Like I, I don't have any question in my mind of what to do next because I haven't gotten to where I'm supposed to be. If anything, that means I'm ahead of the game in the planning. Mm. It means I have, I have an extra 40% cushion to go out of prepared curriculum. I don't even have to think I might make it through half of the next semester with the curriculum I prepared for three months. Sweet. I get more cushion for the pushing. Am I right? People? I, Layla doesn't know what that means. Don't No, she can't hear you anyway. You're safe, but it's, um, (laughs) but it's that perspective. And I think anybody out there who's a teacher can relate to this because it's just how you function when you're planning a longer term thing. Wow. You know, it, you, yeah. you know that you're over planning when you do it, you know it, but it means that like later on you can just show up to class and you're ready because you've already done the work. You've done the preparation to keep moving forward. You what don't have wonder- to go back. This is so wonderful coming into this being like, obviously I over plan. So I need to go back and like just plan it all out over plan again and snip things. And then when that doesn't work, I'll just reprune it again and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, the fact that I can now walk away today and be like, oh, oh, so I'll just keep what I have because this is already good. And even though I'm not crushing everything, I'm still moving along that spectrum. And it's fine that you're not crushing it because then you would have to go back and plan again. Obviously, I'm not challenging myself. <laughs> oh, barf. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, maybe great. <laughs> maybe that's true. But I'm sure that happens a- to people. But they're like, today, um, I'm going to eat a, a carrot for my vegetables. And it's like, well, I ate three carrots. So maybe I want to push a little harder. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, don't give yourself a pass on the actual effort. Yeah. That's not the point. The point is, you know, make the effort, but understand that there are obstacles that are going to take you longer than you thought. Oh, or I freaking love that. It's going to be easier. That pushing, right. what do you say? Pushing a rock, pushing a boulder. It was very, um, fuck. Visual. Who did that? Prometheus? No. Who's the guy who pushed the boulder up the hill? Sisyphus. Sisyphus. The hell did Prometheus do? What am I thinking of? (laughs) No, Sisyphus is the rock up the hill, but he just endlessly pushed because he, you know, never got there. But that's not what you're, you don't want to be that guy, right? I don't want to be Sisyphus. You're the Druids trying to get Stonehenge built 700 (laughs) miles away. That's what you're doing. And it's like, well, shit, if I look up too many times, like we're never going to get there and somebody's going to with me anyway. So like, I just going to keep rolling. Yep. Just keep just keep rolling, everyone. Find that the system. Rolling, Find the system and just keep implementing it and refining it. Don't chuck okay. it out every... If you chuck your entire system out every week, 
like as a business, you would I've been never doing that do for that. like years. <laughs> right, but as a business, you would never do that in your as business, a, right? No, like that's no, you ludicrous. wouldn't. You're like, well, no, you I think back to the financial system fitness was using when I was working there as um, and I risk getting in great trouble for this financial was about the most archaic dinosaur of a financial management program I've ever come across in my life. And it was like they had managed to, as a company, Frankenstein all of these apps and add-ons to try to make their initial software work. And it just got to be this like behemoth nightmare of like workarounds they had had to try to figure out to make their original software work. And it was like, just start over. And they actually at the point where we were all just about tearing our hair out with their system. Um, they were like, well, we're going to just completely reboot the whole thing. Nothing of the old system stays. And we're like, yes, finally, because there is a time and a place to chuck out your old system, but they had made such a Herculean effort at keeping the system and just adapting it. That it's, you know, it's to be respected, if not potentially the best course of action for their business. You know? <laughs> mm. <laughs> but the disruption of starting a new system up until that pain point was worse than Frankensteining a new app onto the side of theirs. So there's always context, people. There's there's context. We need to we need to know ourselves in order Uh, to know others. Yep. (laughs) All right. Well that was enough of that. (laughs) Well thank you for tuning in. Chris is leaving. I'm gone. Goodbye. Thank you. Hey, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And I hope that today's episode made you think a little bit about how you could apply some of what we're talking about to yourself and your behaviors and let us know if you find any of it meaningful. Make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will continue to have somewhat circular conversations that may be helpful. They will be. They will be helpful. (laughs) It's what you take away from them. Wow. The more you know. 